Okay. Say it again. Castellon. Castellon. Yeah. In the Canadian way? Castellon. <laughs> it works, right? <laughs> I like the way you say it. <laughs> Castellon. 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 So we were, we were talking about uh, stories, and you've told me a few. Oh, yeah. And every time I've heard one of your stories, I've left with a, a backpack mm. full of motivation and things to do. Mm. It's more of a jetpack. Yeah. <laughs> Some pretty good stories. There was, there was one, like when I... You know, we've known each other for a little while. You started training here. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, I did not know your background. Mm. I didn't really know what you were about. You were just a guy that worked hard in the gym and, you know, I thought it was really cool. And the more I got to know you, uh, I started to peel away the layers. Because <laughs> um, you're, you know, and I, I like people like that. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. they don't hit you with everything right away. They kind of <laughs> hold it back. Um, and it's interesting and, and, and I, you know, and, and this conversation we had mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know, at that, uh, that coffee shop in Yorkville, it was maybe three months ago. Yeah, it's about right. There's points in my life, I call them zero points mm-hmm. that I can identify and, and literally pinpoint the moment where my life changed. And that was one of them. Mm. You told me some shit that. And, and here's the thing. I knew a lot of it, but the way you told it to me and the way you pointed out things about me and my language, how I, how I communicated my ideas, mm. it, it turned me around. Not only that, it actually completely turned around, I think, the culture at Academy because I, I, I elevated my leadership and, and other qualities that I, I value. And that's a powerful thing, man. That's amazing. That's really amazing. So what do you got? What's a good story? You know, it's, it's funny because... Talking about stories, the other day, somebody asked me, I said, you know, you've had quite an extensive career. You've worked with everybody in music. I mean, I've worked as a producer, as an engineer, as an a and I mean, everything you could think of within music, I found a niche one form or another to get myself in there. Somebody asked me, well, what was the one thing that really turned it around for you? And I kept thinking, I said, man, there's, there's a lot of those. He said, but there had to have been a moment, like there had to have been a moment where if this decision and you didn't make the decision and execute on it, you just would have never been able to get to the trajectory you did. I started thinking, I said, well, and one story came up. You see, when I was like 15 years old, a friend of mine, we were hanging out at his house and he said, listen, you got to listen to this song. And we went to his car and he played me on cassette, Missy Elliott's The Rain. And I remember the rain. Oh, (laughs) God. I remember when I heard that, I just was so amazed at what I was hearing. And I was listening to the music and I'm like, what is this? Mm. I remember that moment. I also remember specifically saying to myself, I want to work with this woman. And I want to work with Timbaland. Because I said, who made the beat? Timbaland. I said, I want to work with Timbaland. And it's so crazy because I had no context to what that even meant. You know, I was, a, I was a DJ, but I mean, what did that really mean? I wanted to work with him. But I remember that thought. And fast forward, you know, 
eight years later, I, I got to work with Missy and I got introduced to Timbaland and I finally had the opportunity to work with Timbaland. And it was a session for Brandy's album, Aphrodisiac, where he got to produce the entire record. Now, the assistant that worked with Timbaland's engineer, Jimmy Douglas, his assistant, for whatever reason, had another commitment. So I was the next man up. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I remember that day when I got the call saying, you're going to get a chance to work with Timbaland and Jimmy Douglas. I remember going, oh, my God, this is really going to go down. And I was a hot shot at that time. I mean, you couldn't tell me nothing. I thought I was the creme of the creme. Fresh out of school, but I thought I knew everything. And I knew there was no way I was going to mess this opportunity up. Now, there was a catch. You see, Timbaland worked in this room that was completely digital. To that point, I had only worked in analog rooms. Mm. I mean, I was still working on tape machines. Mm -hmm. I worked on a computer, you know, working with Pro Tools and other audio software, but they only worked in a digital room. They always worked in that room. There was Mm -hmm. only one of those rooms. Mm. So... Back I said, then. okay, back then, yeah. yeah. So I said, oh, okay, well, that's no big deal. I'll just, you know, I'll get one of the other assistants to give me a quick rundown. I'll learn it, you know, cocky as ever, right? I had one of the assistants go in there and says, okay, look. His assistant actually came and said, look, this is how he works. So he works like this. The board stays in this mode. Everything else is cool. Don't worry about it. You don't need to know much else. But he mm-hmm. gave me a little quick overview. I mean, 15 minutes, and I was like, oh, yeah, I got this. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Douglas, his engineer, shows up. 30 minutes before the session. Guys, met me once. Now, unbeknownst to me at the time, the studio manager had told him that this was my first time working in that room, but I was very confident. Well, Mr. Douglas decided to come in there, and I said, hey, hi, Jimmy. He said, hey, what do we got going on here? He's looking at the console, and all of a sudden, he starts hitting buttons. I was prepared for this, so I had a notepad and I started writing. But the more buttons he started hitting, it felt like his arms were multiplying. And he went from two to four to eight to this man. This man finally became Dr. Octopus and he hit every button on that console. It got to a point of panic when I realized that I had no idea what he had done. And I was terrified at that moment. And he hit all these buttons. He said, oh, yeah, this is the mode it needs to be. And he walked out of the room. And I was in complete shock. I was just like, what did he just do? And I said, okay. Let it go. We'll figure it out. Session starts. Timberland gets there. Songwriter comes in. They're doing demos for Brandy, right? Now, the console, this digital console, was made so that two engineers could work on it. So Jimmy was on the right side. Facing to the right, where the booth was, where the singer was singing. I was behind Jimmy on the left side of the console. Now, during the course of this, I kept picking up on things from the songwriter. She would make these comments and I'd be like, she'd be like, oh, the headphones don't sound right. Or I can't hear my reverb and I would hear reverb in the room. So I knew something wasn't going on. Something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. I figured out that... The board was in a split console format. So what we were listening to was not what she was listening to. So I started copying what Jimmy was doing. Right. While he was doing it, unbeknownst to him at the time. And I mean, right when I figured this out, and I'm literally like a minute into this, everything you could think of went away. I mean, to that point, I literally was the creme of the creme at the studio. I was working at the Hit Factor. I mean, that's like working at Yankee Stadium. And 
was so in, in Miami. This is in Miami. I, it was literally like playing at Yankee Stadium. This is the place. This is where everybody was at. And I mean, I never... Who's recorded out there? So Timberland. Oh, We're talking everybody. I mean, when you think of everybody, I really mean everybody. We're talking about some of the biggest albums. Michael Jackson's um, Invincible album was done there. Right. I mean, everybody from Gloria Stefan. I mean, everybody in the Spanish world to... Groups like Godsmack, U2, Weezer, to Justin the Justin Timberlake, some of the world, to the, you know, Eminem's 50 Cent. Okay, so everybody. I mean, literally everybody. (laughs) This place is just massive. And I mean, some unbelievable records have been done there. And the history, I mean, that place is, is literally like Yankee Stadium. So, Jimmy's sitting there doing this, and I'm figuring this out. And I mean, this was... I, I, this was unbelievable. I never had anything like this happen. But I mean, everything went wrong. The headphones all of a sudden started working. The speakers started crapping. The computer started acting up. I mean, he sits there, and what happens? He catches me copying him and has a complete connection. I mean, literally freaks out to the 10th power. What are you doing? Who told you to do that? I mean, and then it just snowballed. I mean, snowballed. This is your first day at work. This is my first day in my <laughs> dream session with Timbaland and Jimmy Douglas. So, so my job. So it's just, what are, you, what are you thinking right now? I'm in complete panic mode. I mean, think about this. This is like you getting the opportunity you've been spending your entire life in. And I mean, it's unraveling at a speed you can't even comprehend. I mean, you just go into full panic mode. That's what I did. Everything you're going to lose everything. You know where where's your at this point? At this point, when he had the freak out, I said, "Okay, I can still get, I can still rebound." But then things started going on. Let me tell you, this guy—he's a dear friend of mine right now. But at that moment, this man called my boss, the studio manager, forty-three times. (laughs) Forty-three. He called him. All the way till 6 a.m., 43 times to complain about how ridiculous, how incompetent, how this is going, how this is terrible. It got to the point that he would walk out of the room and I would call the receptionist and I'd be like, whatever you do, don't send me to the voicemail. She'd be like, he's right in front of me. Looking at me, I'm like, oh, God. I mean, I got whooped. I mean, life decided that day. That it was not only going to humble me, I mean, it was going to whoop me. Mm. It whooped me. Mm. When that session ended at 6 a.m., I mean, it was catastrophic. We're talking eight hours of just everything and their mother going wrong. And I sat there and I, I mean, I didn't go home because the studio manager was coming in at 7.30 and I knew I had to answer for what went down. And I sat there when they left at 6 a.m. and I was just like, it is old. Like, this is a wrap. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely fired. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And if I ever work again, there would be a shock at this point. I'm thinking now, I'd like, this is completely over. Which yeah. is happens in life. Sometimes life wants to slap you in the face and you sit there and you say, oh yeah, this is a wrap. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all had that at one point or another. Well, you're just like, I mean, it can't get any worse than this. Well, studio manager came in and I mean I walked into his office I was like a dog with, with my tail between my legs I just walked in there looking all sappy like uh, he's looking at me like he, I mean he never had one complaint about me he had none of the praise from all clients and he's sitting there he's like what happened and I could tell from his voice that he was sincere <laughs> he just really wanted to know what happened and then I started explaining it 
And he, you know, he understood that Jimmy had his own preferred way of working. So he, he understood what I was saying, but he was just like, you couldn't I mean the headphones. You couldn't even get the headphones right. I was like, look, man, I understand. He goes, well, you, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. they want you off the session. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I understand. These are the pros of pros. I they, mean, they don't have time. Yeah, they don't have time for, for a newbie doing something like that. I mean, rookie got to go. And I was like, yeah, I get it. I understand. I'm being shipped back down. I mean, I. At that point, I was like, oh, at least he'll ship me back down to the D League. You know, I'm, I'm, right. I'm not playing in the main. We're still playing the same game. Yeah, at least you're not working playing. at McDonald's. But yeah, he looks at me. He goes, "The only this is the thing." He goes, "As you can imagine, what? Yeah, yeah, I know. They want me off the session." He goes, "But," and I heard that word, "but." He goes, "But all the rooms are booked, and there's literally every assistant is doing double duties. I mean, they had six rooms going. I mean, Alejandro." Uh, Sands was doing his MTV Unplug album. Uh, like I said, Godsmack was working there. There was um, the Cranberries were in another room. I think Ja Rule, when Ja Rule was still making records, was in another room. And <laughs> all these things going on. I love Ja Rule. <laughs> no shout, out, shout out to Ja Rule. So all these things were going on. And he was just like, look, the session starts in a couple hours. I have to keep somebody in the room, so you have to stay there. Just stay the hell out of their way. And right there, I said, all right, all right. It's, I still got I still got a shot here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's still a chance here. Man, I went into that, into the studio uh, maintenance room. I found the manual to that console. Session started at, actually, session started at 12 that day. By 10 a.m., I knew that entire room. Like, I mean, I knew it better than the designers of that room. Mm-hmm. I knew that console like the back of my hand. I mean, I literally was showing the guy who was the master in that room things he didn't even know about that by 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. I was set. Session starts. Jimmy walks in. Doesn't even look at me. I mean, Timbaland walks in the room. He looks, he's just like, he, he's, he just straight looking through me. <laughs> I don't even exist. And... Session starts running. I'm not saying anything. I don't even say hello. I'm just flying against the wall. Something goes wrong. And I go, oh, I knew the answer. I knew how to do it. I went in to, to say something. Jimmy got up, walked out of my room, walked into another studio, and pulled the assistant out of that room and came back and go, what's wrong with the board? I was mortified. The assistant's looking at me like, yo, what is going on? So I said, shit, man, this guy's not going to give me a shot. Like, I blew it. So at that point, you know, I'm in my head. I say, okay, all this pushing action isn't doing me, isn't going to do me anything with this guy. So I said, I just got to sit back and watch. So I sat back, turned into a fly on the wall. And for the next couple of days, I just watched. I didn't say anything. I didn't even move. I mean, those guys truly forgot that I was in that room. I even wore the same colors as the fabric on the wall, so just to make it more like I was in there. I mean, they could not see me. On the fourth day, something happened. I saw a pattern. You see, they would record, and when they would get to a section, they would need to copy the section and move it over, everybody would break for 45 minutes. And I would stay in the room, and I would watch Jimmy. And something, I mean, it hit me like a bolt of lightning. Jimmy was treating the computer, this digital device, like it was a tape machine. He was using it the same way you would use a tape machine. No one had ever showed him the copy and paste editing functions 
in a digital format. Mm. He just did, he just didn't see it like that. He didn't see that in digital. There's a grid. Mm-hmm. Things are locked in. I mean, that sucker's precise. Yeah. He was still treating it like a tape. It's like cutting tape, literally. Oh, yeah. he was treating it just like that. Right. I mean, it. I was just like, holy smokes! I will run circles around this guy. Man. So I just watched. I said, there it is. I see it now. That's my opening. Sure enough, the days kept getting longer. More people started working. Jimmy started getting tired. So the next day, literally the next day, 9 p, uh, 11 p.m., Timbaland says, we're all going to go to the club. Jimmy's going to stay with uh, a dear friend of mine who unfortunately passed away a couple years ago, Static Major, who was an amazing writer, wrote all the Aaliyah stuff, and uh, was a dear friend of mine. This is my first meeting with him. He flew into town to write a song on this album. And he starts writing. I could tell Jimmy's head is nodding. So Jimmy goes, just walks out of the room. And I know where he's going. He's going up to his atrium on the second floor to go take a nap. And I'm sitting there. And I see Static in the booth writing. And I'm sitting there. And I'm looking. And I I can hear what he's saying. And I'm saying, any minute now, this guy's going to come up. And I could tell he's getting closer. So about 35, 45 minutes, he's getting closer. And I could tell the time is going to happen. I'm like, and, you know, I got that voice inside my head to say, oh, man, maybe we shouldn't do it. Maybe we should. But then there was that other voice that said, tell that other voice to shut up. When we get an opportunity here, we're going to take a shot. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So sure enough, I went in. I checked him. I peeked my head. I saw that Jimmy was sleeping on the couch. I came downstairs. I sat in that lounge. And as soon as Static popped his head out of that lounge, he says, can you? I said, yup. I sat down in that chair. And boom, we started recording, 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 recording. An hour and a half later, we're down to the last line. Five minutes prior to that, Static told me, he said, listen, I want to change the arrangement of the song. I want to make the bridge, the hook. I want to take the pre-hook, make it the bridge. I want to take the first, first, move it to the second. So he had all these things and I wrote all the notes down and I made markers. I mean, when the universe wants to really give you, when it works for you, it works for you. In that moment, last line, he's about to finish, and who comes back from the club? Timberland, Entourage, and Jimmy Douglas, who sits in Timberland's chair that happens to be right over my right shoulder. And I see him from my peripheral vision, and I say, oh boy. Static finishes the last line and walks in, and I am, I am ready. You see, I am ready at this point. There's no way I was going to mess this one up. So Static comes in and out of Timbaland's mouth, let me hear it. Static says, wait, we got to do an arrangement change. And Static starts telling me all the things he told me five minutes prior that I already had the markers to. He goes on for, felt like for them, two minutes, talking about all the things he wants done in the arrangement. And I could hear the, you could feel the energy drop like, oh, this is going to take, I'm not going to hear nothing until tomorrow. And I waited. And I waited. Right when that energy was at its lowest point, I looked like a magician. I just started hitting all the quick keys that I set up, and it literally took me five seconds to do all those things. And I hit the space bar, and it played back perfectly. I could see from the television, their mouths had dropped. They had never seen anything like that. I mean, that was like wizardry to these guys. They were just they were up. used to that tape cutting speed. They were used to just flying a hook taking 45 right. minutes. They weren't a, a whole arrangement. That would take days in the right. way they were working. They saw that done in five seconds. I mean, it blew their mind. They literally got up, celebrated, and went back to the club. Jimmy walks up to me and says, he says, man, you really know. I mean, he was like, you really know how to work that thing. 
I said, yeah, you know, I also know how to work the console now. You know, my apologies for the other day. I wasn't prepared, but I'm prepared now. Then I, and we struck a deal. And we struck a deal was I'd teach him the computer, and he would teach me processes and the world of engineering. And he's been in the music industry for 30 years. So I, that was invaluable. It was my first real mentor in the music industry. And six months later, he handed the reins over to me and gave me his job. And that was it. That Six one months. crucial moment changed the whole trajectory of my life. And I always think back at that because I was just like, man, how many times does life slap us in the face? I mean, life will test you. I am a firm believer that right when you're about to accomplish something extraordinary, it's, it gets hard. And life wants us, it wants to test you because it wants to know if you're worthy for it. And when you persevere and you move through that, oh man, victory is amazing. I mean, that was just unbelievable. I look back at that and said, that one moment, a lot of things could have worked against me. They could have been, the studio would not have been packed, I could have lost the session, a lot of things, but it did it. And it worked out. And I had a second shot. And when I made sure I didn't mess up the second shot, and it was off to the races. Well, what strikes me about that story is you came in, like you said, you know, the hot shot or hot shit. And in a matter of, uh, you know, a few hours, your, your life fell apart. Oh, yeah. I mean, not only was it a bad day, but, you know, you were you were thinking that, I mean, I'm done. I'm finished. My oh, dreams yeah. are, are gone. This is my, my chance. And absolutely. I blew it. Right. Absolutely. But, you know, having the presence of mind to know that, you know, I got to lay back. I got to be wallpaper. I got to learn. I got to not talk, but listen. Yeah. That's preparation, right? You're preparing Absolutely. for the opportunity. And then you saw that gap. And, but you, and you, were, you saw that gap. You, you, you understood what it was. Because there's always gaps. Always. Even, even the people out there, the, you know, the, the mega stars or the, the, the mega successful, there's still gaps in their game. And you know, it just, it's, it's amazing how you were able just to seize that moment. <laughs> and you were just like, Boom, I'm ready. And you, you were ready. You were ready for that for that digital process yeah. that no one else had been ready for. Well, one of my mentors, Les Brown, has a great saying. He says, it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than have an opportunity and not be prepared. Mm -hmm. You see, the first time around, there was an opportunity and I wasn't prepared. Now, I was fortunate enough that the second time that opportunity present, an opportunity presented itself, I was prepared. I knew that this was it. And that really changed the huge trajectory of my life because I started looking at everything like that. Like, this is a shot. Mm -hmm. I got to give it everything I got right now. I got to be prepared right now. I got How can I position myself to win? And I feel in society nowadays, people forget that. They go into autopilot and they don't position themselves to win. They are constantly doing the same things, caught in the same habitual patterns. And it's like, listen, if you keep doing what you've always done, you're gonna keep getting what you've always got. And I could have easily just sat there and kept thinking I was, I mean, that's what life does. When you think you've got it figured out, she shakes you up and reminds you that, nah, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. And that, literally that moment was, was something I never forgot because the other crucial lesson I learned there is sometimes we tend to beat, we, we try to beat down the wall. I mean, we literally look at something and we try to run through it. 
And sometimes you just got to look back, really step out of it a little bit and observe and say, what is the most effective way for me to get through this? Yeah. And that's what happened at that moment when I said, you know what? I need to really see because I'm not there's something I'm not getting here. And I ended up seeing I wasn't getting a lot. Mm -hmm. And then when I realized that I found the opportunity. And when I found the opportunity, I'm telling you, this is, listen, I am like everybody else. We're all unique. We're all gifted. I mean, there is only one of us, of each of us, on this planet. We're all great. We just have to seize our greatness. Mm -hmm. And that comes in a lot of forms. But most importantly, is just being aware that you are great. Mm -hmm. And you are bound to do great things. You just got to push forward. Now, at this point in your life, you know, many years have passed since that experience oh, that hit factor, right? Decade and a half, yeah. And, and what's interesting is, you know, you're moving into these incredible directions, which we're going to talk about. Yeah. But, you know, going back a little bit, yeah. it seems that you've always had this, um, you know, presence of value or presence of mind, even, you know, as a kid in Miami. Uh, you know, knowing that you, you have to seize opportunity, knowing that you have to make lists and write things down and things that have you know been a major factor in your life now and you teach these things, you've taught them to me. I'm interested in, you know, growing up. Yes. Some of those things that, that, that now you probably recognize, uh, those habits that led to your success. And, you know, what do you, what do you think about uh, what led you to here? And, and, and just those moments in your youth when you were, when you were a struggling kid in Miami. Yeah. Uh, looking at your dreams, you know, on a TV screen, yeah. or hearing them on the radio. You know, what, what was that like? Well, for me, I was always that kid that in the playground everybody would be doing something, and he was the one outside doing something else. I never was one to really follow the pack, and when I tried. Because as a kid, you do want to fit in. You want to be in social circles. When I tried doing that, it just didn't feel natural to me. You know, I try to wear clothing like with my friends, and I just I really don't like this. It doesn't even look good. I don't even like this color. So I always was a bit of an outsider in that sense. And I believe naturally, we all have a uniqueness about us. Yeah. For me, I always was pushing the envelope. And it got me in a lot of trouble, man. I got to tell you, I was in a heap load of trouble. If you ask my mother, my mother tell you, this kid gave me more head. All these gray hairs on my head is because of this child. <laughs> like, I was a handful. But I was, a, I always pushed the envelope. Yeah. I always pushed it. I always kept going a little bit more when I was younger. And, and it, it definitely was one of the key things that's attributed now in my success because I tend to now always find a way to push the envelope. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm coaching, I'm pushing somebody, I am looking to push them. I am looking to get them from where they are to where they want to be. Mm -hmm. And it comes from that. And a lot of things too is my environment. I grew up in an environment that was extremely aggressive and hostile. Like it was survival. So this is Miami in the uh, Miami early 90s, no, early, late 80s, late 80s, 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. And it was an environment that was, I mean, I just, funny because three days ago, um, it was a birthday of a friend of mine who committed suicide accidentally, supposedly, but um, hmm. playing Russian roulette. And he was 13 years old. 
And his birthday would have been three days ago. Mm. And I thought about that. Me and my other closest friends, we were, all three of us were really close, thinking like, man, like, what life would have been like? So I, I lost so many friends young that I thought that was the norm. Mm -hmm. So it made me appreciate my life even more because I was just like, man, you know, George ain't here no more. Or like, Bernie ain't here no more. Like, I could be next, you know? Like, so that kind of, that, that thing about life and being in the present, I just grew up in an environment where that wasn't guaranteed. Right. I mean, I lost a lot of friends, man. So you, you were you were comfortable in chaos and understanding that there was, you know, there was something to be seized in those moments. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and it was definitely chaotic. And it's funny now because I'm very comfortable in chaos because mm -hmm. I grew up in chaos. So when things are going apy and people are going like, "Yo, what is happening?" I'm actually extremely focused. I can see things and I'm like, "Oh, this is kind of comfortable. Right, right, <laughs> this yeah. isn't that bad." And I, 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 for me, it, it drives me. It drives me when I'm in a chaotic situation to make the best out of that situation because that's what I came from. I came from that environment. And uh, people ask me all the time, they're like, would you have changed your environment? Well, yeah, part of me would have said, yeah, of course I'd like to think I'd like to go up in an environment. I mean, I love Canada. I love Toronto because of that. Uh, I raised my daughter here because of that. I love the culture. I love Canadian culture. But that gave me an edge. My environment gave me an edge. And all our environments give us an edge. Mm -hmm. There's something specific, even in this region, that gives you an edge. It's just identifying what that is. Mm -hmm. And that's well, the process. Well, you know, ironically, we're in an environment now that uh, we, we specialize in, in making people uncomfortable so you know we're, we're in the academy lines that's why you're yes. probably hearing uh, music in the background and, and mm. hand clapping and coaching and it's chaos right no it sure <laughs> is because we're recording this podcast and uh, there's a class going on which is cool i love that environment i love that energy and that chaos um and and you know and and that's kind of how we met was was yeah. in in this environment this is a great environment i mean this is my favorite environment really Oh, thanks. I mean, this is literally one of my favorite environments. I mean, the culture, the people, not only what you're, I mean, just the benefit of what you're doing for yourself, physically. You can't put a price tag on that. But just the environment, the culture, the people, I mean, people, they, I mean, this is called the Academy Alliance for a reason. I mean, people here, they're going for it. If you're here, I mean, they're winning. They're doing, you see it when you're in class. You see it when they push. You see it when they're going that extra mile. You're just like, man, it is inspiring. So it's um, it's a fantastic environment. And that just goes back to what I'm saying. The environment is where you're at when you can recognize it. Like I sit there sometimes. I get out of class. I'm like, man, if I would have been here doing this by myself, I had no way I would have pushed myself. But sometimes I see a girl or something, and she's going harder than me. I'm like, oh, heck no, I got to step it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I see, I see a young kid doing it. I'm like, man, I really got to get my thing together because this kid is killing me right now. So it pushes you. It's amazing. So it's a, it's a fantastic. What you guys are doing here is just, man, it's, it, kudos to you guys. It's an incredible environment. And um, I encourage anybody that's listening that's not here well, to come check it out. Well, that's why, you know, when I listen to you, I, I really do take it to heart because, you know, you were uh, – uh, at 8 a.m. this morning after you finish your workout you came six. In, in six excuse me I'm sorry my apologies yeah. at, uh, you were in here bright and early at six and uh, you know then high five me on your way out and you looked you looked at you just gone through uh, you know uh, a tough day at work yeah 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 yeah, yeah. No, no, it was definitely 
I definitely was hurting. Yeah, I was hurting. Yeah, but you know, hey, and and that's and that's respect. You know what I mean? That's respect. That uh, I think you you put yourself in situations uh, that challenge you at all levels, physically. I mean, physical is for me the most interesting of challenges because it's so it's so simple to understand. You do it or you don't. Yes, the numbers don't lie. Absolutely. And someone beside you doing it better than you doesn't lie. It's right. undeniable. And when you put yourself into that context, I think you learn a lot about your mind. Oh yeah. And you know, we've been we've been talking a bit about how we may be able to integrate these these two concepts in terms of, yeah. you know, obviously body mind. I want to get into a little bit about the stuff that, you know, I learned about you three months ago because I had no idea. I had no idea that you weren't, you know, necessarily producing anymore. You had moved on to yeah. something that I think, uh, you know, for me, seems like I've, you know, when I, when I hear people speak with purpose and passion and vision, you know, you know it. Yeah. It hits you. And I, you know, I, when you talk about this, it hits me. Yeah. I, I, a couple years back, I, um, well, more than a couple years back, it's almost been about six years, I haven't around 2008, 2009. Around that time period, I had reached pinnacles of success that had, I mean, it had destroyed the dreams and goals I thought of. I mean, it, it took it to a whole other level. At that point, Timbaland, myself, and our entire crew, I mean, we were the biggest thing on the planet. We had literally put out uh, another Fatalist Loose album, done Justin Timberlake's Future Sex Love Soul, Timberlake's album Shock Ballad, and we had so many hits, we didn't even know what to do with it. I mean, it was unbelievable. And then something happened. I one day realized that everything I had set out to do in my career that had been my driving force, I had accomplished it. And part of me was beyond excited at that notion. But then... I quickly realized that, um, what the heck am I gonna do next? And I fell into a deep state of depression. Most people don't know that. It, it culminated with me eight months on the couch in my little den, literally tr drinking my life away. Literally, I was drinking a bottle of cognac every night for eight months, trying to kill myself in retrospect. And I gained like 40 pounds. I mean, that was a disaster. Kudos to my wife who is a saint because I would have left my monkey ass a long time ago. But thankfully she had patience and I was smart enough to stay out of her way. So <laughs> that being said, I mean, I literally was poisoning myself. And I got up and I looked in the mirror one day and I just looked and I said, okay, I asked myself the question. I looked at the thing in the mirror and I said, excuse me, thing. I said, are you willing to jump off this balcony right now and end it? The thing quickly responded, that would be ridiculous. We have a child, we have all these great things, why would we do that? Well, at that point, the next question was, well then, it's more like a statement was, well things need to change, and they need to change now. So I was like, well where am I gonna start? And I looked at that thing in the mirror, I said I'm gonna start there. So then I started working on my body. And then, as that kept going, and I kept feeling better about myself, my mind started feeling better about myself. And then I started working on my mind, educating my mind. And I realized when I got out of that process, I asked the question, well, how the hell did I even get here? How did I have all that success? I started deconstructing that. I asked, well, how the hell did I fall into that depression with all the success? I deconstructed that. And I kept deconstructing and deconstructing. 
And then a friend of mine popped on me. He says, I asked him, what have you been doing? He says, well, I'm a life coach. I said, what is a life coach? And he told me what he did. I said, and you get paid for that? I said, I've been doing that my entire life for free. So I started studying more about that. And uh, I decided at that moment that I, I can't be the only person that has fallen off the wagon when good things have happened. And I know a lot of people that I know never have reached success like I have. And I know a lot of people want great lives. So how can I contribute back to this? So I've dedicated the rest of my life to inspiring and empowering others to reach their full potential so that they can have the opportunity to get better and in return live outstanding lives. Because the return for that is it'll leave the planet better off than before I got here. And I have such an absolute blast doing this. I mean, I it drives me. Music never inspired me as much as this does. Mm -hmm. Seeing, being able to work with people, help them get from where they are to where they want to get to, is, is it, it just it's invigorating for me. And I, I'm good. Not to toot my horn, but it, I'm telling you, if you tell me what you want, I'll show you how to get it. Speaking of horns and music and yeah. things like that, music, when you hear a song, it puts you into a state. Yes. And that state, you know, you, you, we've all heard songs that have made our day, mm -hmm. changed it around. And, and I, so I think, to me, it's, this is the next evolution. Yes. Because, you know, you've been creating music for people to change their states of mind. Yeah. And now you're doing it in, in just a more, maybe, personal, physical, verbal way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I use different platforms now. Mm -hmm. I do one-on-one. -on -one, I do groups. I do a lot of speaking engagements. Wherever I can and whenever I can, I do whatever I can to help those I come in contact with. Because for me, the more you give, the more you end up receiving. And that's a law of the universe. I didn't make that up. Go look it up. I mean, literally, the more you give, the more you get back. And man, I tell you, I wake up every morning and I'm excited. I'm excited. I am ready. I'm ready. I want to do this. I want to, how can I make the world better? How can I make myself better? And how can I make those around me better? And Hey, once you get your life purpose together, which I thought I had it before, mm -hmm. it really, it, it really is kind of like the icing on the cake. You said something to me <clears throat> three months ago yeah. during that coffee, and it it sat me down. You know, I thought I was hot shit, but it kind of sat me down. It was. You said I, I just finished saying some shit, and and you were like. You say need a lot. I need to do this. I got to do this. I should do this. I need, I need, I need. <clears throat> no, no, you got to want. Yes. And I'm a student of language. Yes. And so language is important to me. I didn't even realize that I was in that state of mind where I was in an anxiety of needing to do things, shooting to do things. I have to keep up and da, 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 da. And I was out of control of what I wanted to accomplish. I was, it was, it was controlling me. And that simple shift, like that little moment where, you know, you just said, hey, one sec, this is what you're saying, yeah. but I think this is what you mean. And the want thing has been so powerful because it's true. Like, you know, you say need and it registers differently in your body. It's like an anxiety. Oh, yeah. But you say want, you know, you almost, you feel it from the, from the shoulders up. Oh yeah. And, 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 and your posture changes because you want this thing. And, and we're in a society where we, Sometimes, you know, just that simple thing of knowing what you want yes. is hard. And I've, I've been asking people this, like, what do you want? What's your goal? What do you want? 
And a lot of people have a hard time even identifying the specific thing that they want. Yeah. Well, it goes down to the specifics. Uh, Madonna has an amazing saying that she always says to me, and that is, the devil is in the details. When you get into the specifics and you get down to the nitty gritty of it, that's where it's at. That's where the magic happens. Need. See, our languaging, that our language patterns that we use, it's very interesting because five years ago, I got really into linguistics. And I studied with some of the greatest people on the planet when it comes to communication and linguistics. So I'm very aware of a lot of things and I'm very specific how I use languaging. But I'm also very aware how other people use languaging on themselves. Mm-hmm. You see, every time you say something, it goes right back in your ear and goes right back into your mind. The word need, for instance, it's a mode of necessity. When you say need, people say, well, I need to go to the gym. I need to go do this. Well, saying need puts you in a place where there's a sense of pressure that comes up. And it's that negative state that falls over you. We're just shifting it to one. Because why is it that you really want to go to the gym? Well, I want to go to the gym because I want to get in better shape. You know, I'm scared I'm going to get diabetes. Uh, I want to live longer. I want to be around my kids longer. I want to be around my family longer. Um, I Shoot, I want to enjoy my life. These are wants. These are things that drive you. That's when times get tough. The wants are the things that you see. They're like the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Another word that's very interesting, and I encourage anyone that's listening to start just keeping the ear out for it, is the word try. Try is a very interesting word because try implies failure to it. So when someone tells you, like everybody's probably heard this at one point or another, when they're hanging out on the weekend and they say to your friend, hey, why don't you come have some coffee? Oh yeah, I'll try to make it. You already know they're more than likely not going to come. So switching try to do or not, well, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this is very key in uh, in improving yourself altogether, I think. I read a great book from Sam Harris. I don't know if you remember Sam Harris. Mm-hmm. He is a, he's a neurolinguist, uh-huh. uh, kind of a thought leader, has a great podcast. Yes. Uh, and he wrote this very short book that's called Lying. Mm. And the entire book is basically about eliminating all kinds of lies from your life. Not just the big ones, you know, that are, you know, well, I, I make this much money, but I really make this, you know, this much money or the things you say to girls to make them sleep with you, like not some big kind of lies. Yes. But even these lies were like, oh yeah, yeah I'm going to try. Mm. Those are little micro lies. Right. They're lack of commitment to a truth, which yes. is, hey, either I will or I won't. Right. And there's this thing that happens. I find when we just commit to the outcome, mm. to the want, Mm-hmm. And to be honest with it and to allow people to also accept that you're honest with it. Yeah. Cause it's, it's sometimes it's that fear of disappointing someone mm-hmm. which is very ego based. It's all fear based. And I feel that that little attention to those little micro lies. And to me, when I hear you talk about try, that is, yeah. it's a lack of commitment. It's right. a lack of commitment to a truth or your own truth. Mm-hmm. And by getting into the details, you know, you eliminate those little, those oh, little yeah. devils from your life. Oh yeah. Like, that's the primary question I use whenever I meet anybody and they come and they start most people when they come work with me for the first time I mean they'll go on I'll listen to them and they'll go ahead and they'll tell me their story and from their story I know already where their limiting beliefs are and what's holding them back 
And then I just asked a magic question. And I'm asking it to you guys listening right now. What is it that you really want? We're early in the beginning of the year. Uh, most of you, if not all of you, have set goals this year. But what is it that you really want in life? What is it that you want? Is it to be in the best physical shape you've ever been? Is it finally to go and take that dance class you've been putting off forever? Or is it to take an art class? Or is it to call and spend more time with loved ones? Like, what is it that you really want that's going to fulfill you? That's a magical question, that question. Because it all lies within that question. If you're really honest with yourself, and you ask that question, and you honestly give yourself an honest answer, you are on your way. Mm -hmm. And I ask that, that question of myself, well, what is it that I want today? You know, I'm doing all these things. What is it that I want to accomplish today? You were talking earlier about, uh, before this podcast, about your calendar. Yes. And now you actually block off time, which is color-coded. Yes. To schedule in moments. What I'm hearing is that you ask yourself these types of questions where you can have an honest yeah. feedback with yourself. Yeah. I mean, I've programmed myself at this point. And the way you program yourself is with pattern and repetition. You just keep doing it. And it becomes a, a, a habit. You just keep doing it. I've, I'm now unconsciously and consciously, I'll, throughout the day, ask myself, well, how am I feeling right now? I'm feeling pretty good. Fantastic. I keep going. If I'm not feeling good, I identify, well, why am I not feeling good? Well, this guy at the coffee shop was just an ass. And I just, he just, just the way he was talking just really shook me off. And then I recognize it. I identify it. And then I shift out of it. I'll listen to a song I like. I'll think of a pleasant memory of, of hanging out with my daughter. Whatever it may be, but I make sure I get out of that vibration. And it's the same thing. I just identify it. And shift out of it. Mm -hmm. And from there, keep it moving. And man, that has been monstrous for me. Mm -hmm. Monstrous, monstrous for me. I mean, it was one of the things that really opened me up to improving myself on a consistent basis. And now what I do within my calendar structure is in my iCal, if anybody uses iCal, I have it all color-coded. So I have it really broken down into three days. Focus days, which focus days are days that are focused to things that I'm passionate about, things that uh, maybe generate me revenue, or things that are what's on my goal list right now. Let's say my goals. And then I schedule my free days, which is just a day where there's nothing to do with work, nothing to do with anything, and it's family time or my time or me time, things that I want to do. And that's usually yellow. I use focus, focus days or green. And then I have blue days, which I call buffer days. And those days are just to prepare for my free days and prepare for my focus days mm -hmm. to make sure that my focus days are, are 100%. So a lot of my calendar now has blue in it because I spend a lot of time feeding my mind, constantly reading, I'm constantly going to training seminars, I'm constantly looking for people that are just masters at what they do and going to extract information. I'm a firm believer, man. If, if you want to do something, listen, go find the best at it and go model them. Go copy them and take it from there. Like why? They've done all the hard work. Just go extract it from them. So I'm going to get into that. Yeah. So you have one thing that you can take on a desert island. It's a habit. habit. And so you, it's, it's the one thing that you can put in your backpack yeah. and nothing else. What is that one habit or routine that you'll take with you? That's a good one. 
Because the first one that comes to mind is one that I started incorporating about four months ago. And it has just been awesome. And every morning, the first thing I do when I wake up is I sit down with a pen and pad and I write 10 things that I'm grateful for. And I sit there and I get into why I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful that I'm able to go to breakfast. I'm grateful that I got up to be able to go to my CrossFit class. I'm grateful that I have this beautiful woman sleeping next to me. And I sit there and I get in that feeling. And ever since I've been doing that, I'm telling you, I haven't had a bad day. I have not had a bad day. To start the day going, man, I am grateful for life. Like today's special. Like I'm grateful for my freedom. <laughs> Being able to live in North America. <laughs> I'm grateful mm -hmm. for that. And that one is major. But the other one, this one's kind of tied with it, is keeping a go-kart with me. I mean, I keep my go-kart wherever I go. I don't keep it during CrossFit class, but I keep it with me wherever I go. I mean, it's with me all the time and it's a constant reminder of where i'm going demo just uh you, you can't see this but yeah. you pulled it out and show it to me so yeah it's he here it's, it it's in my hand yeah, yeah. right that's next it. to a hundred dollar bill by the way so yes well, that has to do with the goal <laughs> part of the goal but i keep this thing with me and it, it it just states the goal that i want and i have a date on it and i keep this thing with me and it's const a constant reminder to me of where I want to go. And I'm constantly going there because of that. I'm constantly thinking, how can I get there? There's a couple things that blow my mind about you. And the first one is that knowing that you've achieved incredible success on the highest levels and you still do these things, right? Mm -hmm. These things that you didn't do necessarily in this form prior to that. Right? No, not in this form. No. But now you 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 know you really hold yourself to that. Like you, you yeah. practice what you preach. Yeah. And and these are like you you're not just speaking from theory. You're speaking from practice. Yes. And I think that's incredible because you wouldn't you know you, sometimes we don't expect people who are you know true masters to be you know to 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 work. Yeah. We just think it's effortless. They were born with it. But you put in a huge amount of work, and there's a huge amount of humility. And and enjoying it too, and and that's the second thing that really, um, you know, knocks me out. So when we started taping this podcast, <laughs> we went into the uh, into the office here at the academy, and you know, I'm like, oh, demos here. Uh, you know, I usually just put my laptop down, and record right into it. Yeah. Um, but hey, uh, how should we set this up? So you just went to work, like you know, I I went and grabbed a bunch of gym mats, and you just set up. Uh, we'll, we'll post a picture of this online. Yeah, we created cool. this little tent yeah. on this table using you know uh, our gym mats. Yeah, and it's we we got a studio. Yeah, I got a pretty pretty cool studio. It's pretty yeah. cool, man. Yeah, it's pretty it's, cool. It's pretty cool. We got so it you know, and and now you know, thanks to you, all the other podcasts are going to be much well, better. Fantastic. Right. So this is the zero point. <laughs> zero point. Of that. Amazing. Anything else that little little tiny zero points for people that yeah. um, you know the the scheduling is huge, the want versus try and, and yes. needs is huge. Uh, the uh, you know the writing down every morning. I do that as well. Yeah. Um, and, that's and that that one's huge. That one is massive. Yeah. If if any if you guys take anything from this podcast, just for thirty days. I encourage you to do this. The benefits are unbelievable. 
You just sit there and 10 things. And trust me, you will think of 10 things when you sit there and do it. And it completely changes the vibration you're in. And it, when you're in that state of gratitude, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a whole other ballgame. That one is massive. You know, a couple of things thinking now sitting here next to Danny. Um, something else also is also look for people that are doing the things that you want to do. And go learn from them. You know, it's so crazy to me how people sometimes are scared to ask. Just ask. If you have a business and there's somebody that has a business like yours and they're running that business the way you want to, go ask them. Mm-hmm. Man, how do you do that? Take them out for a cup of coffee. I mean, take the initiative. That that That's a big one. Yeah. Having mentors and people to learn from because for some reason in our culture, it seems like either after high school or after university or once we leave the school environment, a lot of people stop learning. And <laughs> life is a journey. Mm-hmm. And we got to constantly be feeding ourselves, our mind, our body, our souls to constantly keep going because... It's a long, it could be a long road. So, you know, mind, body, feeding, yes. being with a community. So there was a, uh, there was a thing you invited me to, uh, a number of, uh, this was around Christmas. Yeah, around Christmas. Uh, you set up, uh, you set up this thing with a manual <clears throat> who, uh, you can talk about if, if, yes, um, if you can. You know, it was essentially uh, it was like a breakfast at, at a restaurant just uh, not too far from here, where where you guys spoke, and and I attended that. Yes, and it was such a great way to spend a morning. Yeah, yeah. and and it left me charged up for the the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm a person. You know, I, I'm not afraid to ask anything. I think my biggest gift is ignorance. <laughs> really, that's be, an amazing. It's gift. an it's an amazing it's gift. Amazing and, gift. And I keep it that way because yeah. if 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 I. If I thought about all the, you know, the things I was scared about by asking someone who, you know, um, could say no to me, who yes. is, who, you know, might, might, might crush me emotionally, you know, whether that's uh, someone I respect or a girl or, a, or, a, mm. you know, uh, anybody. If I was afraid of that, then, you know, it would, it, I wouldn't ask. Right. So, you know, I was like, hey, man, can we do something like that here? Yeah. Oh, we got a good one coming. <laughs> See, that first one was just, uh, it was the beta. And it started because uh, a dear friend of mine, Emmanuel Jow, a peace activist, incredible speaker, author, uh, international rap star. He's just an amazing human being. And I encourage you guys to check out his TED Talk, uh, Emmanuel Jow. He's just, he's something else. We'll post a link. Yeah. He, um, we were sitting at Whole Foods and he had two young uh, Sudanese interns. They just... There are young girls that were in university. He's from the Sudan, and he always is looking to uh, help help friends and family from the Sudan. So he was sitting there, and I just started doing what I usually do. People start, well, what do you want? Boom, 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 and start what Emmanuel calls my doing my magic. And his mouth drops, and he goes, man, you know it would be great if we actually do this with like-minded people and make it like a breakfast thing and then we'll, you know, I'll talk about body, you talk about mind and we get all this thing going. And I was like, sure, yeah, let's go do it. And we had, we did an event and it was uh, 30 individuals all from different, different areas and expertise and it was an amazing experience. So we're looking now to 
expand on that. And the idea is really of community. Same thing that's happening here at the academy is just building a community where like-minded individuals have a group that they can go and expand themselves. So we're going to do something amazing here. And it's going to touch on everything. Body, mind, and spirit. You're going to be, uh, it's going to be incredible. And food, don't forget. Well, that kind of yeah, works into all three. Yeah. Yes, because the food part right. is... You're, is you're Cuban, right? Yes. Okay, so, yeah. right, you got to have some food in the mix. Got to have food. So food, of course, food is a key component. I'm not going to leave that out, but it's going to be special. So, exciting okay. stuff. Cool. Um, so, I can't thank you enough for your time. Oh, I thank you. You know, it's, uh, you know, my, I had ulterior motives here. Mm. I'm like, how do I just get another hour of your time and, and trick you? Into, uh, <laughs> Let's do but, a podcast. But, but here's the thing, man. I'm all about, you know, I'm all about efficiency and scalability. So I thought yes. some of our conversations are just, you know, they blow my mind. Mm. So I'm sure they can blow a lot of people's minds. And it's like music, right? You record it once, but hey, you know. It lives on. It lives on. Mm. So it's, uh, it's on the record. Yes. Well, Thank you all for listening. It is, uh, it's been fantastic seeing you with Danny. Danny's an extraordinary human being. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. So, oh, thanks, man. This has just been awesome. So thank you for listening, and I hope you got some incredible value out of this. And uh, good luck to you. Remember, your goals, just ask yourself what you want and go for it. Put your mind to it, and then go do it. Boom, we're out. Peace.